0: Have Drew, Brian, Eric, and Matt come up here, if you would, guys. Lord, we thank you for your precious word that gives light, Lord. We thank you for your word that you send forth, Lord, into our hearts and you heal us. And now we pray, Father, that your word would run swiftly into these hearts, into each one of our hearts, Lord, and make us a people of your word that it would dwell richly in us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what you're saying in this season. Give us eyes to see, Lord. And bless these people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, last week I um, shared a little bit about uh, coming out of, of the world and the need in this last hour right before the kingdom of heaven breaks in to the kingdom of this world to be living holy and pure. We're right on the threshold, right between John 18 where Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world and Revelation 15 where it says, now the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his savior. We're right on the threshold of that kingdom breaking in. And so what type of people ought we to be? And for those of you who are here, you remember I shared the World War II uh, naval battle of Casablanca where uh, the French fleet was uh, being asked to surrender to the allies, but they had, they had surrendered first to Germany and they had 2 million POWs. And, and just the need uh, to get the world out of us so that we could be ready for the day of his appearing. Well, um, that has continued on this week and I felt like uh, I was to share a little bit more about that, but really uh, these brothers here should be sharing from their heart what, what the Lord has has put on their hearts in this season for that. Dick and Luke were going to share as well. They're uh, coming back from Kansas City. We just came back from The Send last night. Anybody get a chance to watch that or go to that on live stream? So sweet, uh, such a good time up there, powerful time. And, uh, but major storms up there, so I don't know if they'll be back. So um, let's start with, who wants to start? Let's go here. Uh, I'm gonna sit down here. You got, yeah, well sit down wherever you want to, guys.
1: We have stools.
2: I hear the Lord say uh, to me this morning, lock eyes with me. Yeah, amen. Let me be the light that enters your eyes and your whole body will be whole. We will be complete in him. See, if he is the light of our eyes, the things that we see in this world will be through his light. And so then we'll be able to partner with him and bring what's in chaos and disorder into redemption. And that's my prayer today. And I I just wanna share that with you this morning so it can be your prayer also. The father has great love for the bride of his son. That's an amazing thought to me. We think about the love of Jesus But the Father has great love for his bride. And Jesus, who created all things, he holds all things together by the word of his power. He left his throne in heaven to become a man, to show us the Father, to show us the kingdom, to labor, to suffer, and to redeem a people, and to redeem a bride. this is why the scripture says that the love of the Father is not in anyone who loves the world because the Father loves the bride very dearly. That's why I love being born again. See, being born again, we enter into covenant relationship with Jesus. We become engaged to him. It's a beautiful, beautiful relationship that he has for us. I had a dream a little over a week ago, and it was pretty intense. But the message of it is for the church, for the bride, to mature. It's time to mature, to be ready to bear fruit, to purify herself and make ready for the coming king, for the coming groom. See, because in the dream also, there's the spirit of the age and the spirit of the world. And believe it or not, we've been influenced. In little ways, in our hearts, in our homes, when we gather, we've been influenced a little bit. Maybe a lot. And this is a call to the bride to really get before the Lord, lock eyes with Him, and see where we've been influenced. Because it needs to go. It needs to go. The influence of this world, the spirit of the age, it has a smell. It has a scent. It's a stench. And it smells of another lover. Who here would come to their wedding day smelling like another? Smelling like another lover. Like somebody else and not your groom or bride. No one. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't even think of it. But what about the Lord Jesus who gave his life for us? So I encourage you, myself, all of us, to really get before the Lord and behold him. See, God has a plan for us We don't have to worry about trying to get it right, striving so hard, looking inside our hearts too deep to figure out if I'm doing something wrong. God has a plan. He dealt with our old man, the old creation on the cross of Christ. He already dealt with that. And he put in place the work of the Holy Ghost, the sanctifying work. This is part of his plan. He's not afraid of us getting it wrong or messing up at times. He wants our heart. And if our heart is devoted to the one who loves us, we'll see all those things line up in our life. And this is how he's called us to live in this world, in expectation and looking for and hastening unto the day of the Lord and the King's return.
3: you want to go, Matt? I can't see you over there.
1: Yeah, just humbling myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, this topic of purity and holiness—I—I I was uh, really praying into this. After, man, I've been praying into this for a few weeks now, and I think you know it was so sweet to have, you know, a whole week of us communicating back and forth, and and just this common theme rising and bubbling up. And I just love how the Lord is. Is doing that. And I think he's calling a people for his own possession out. I was, um, I just had scriptures coming into my mind and my heart as I would pray. But uh, before I get to some of those, this morning during worship, <clears throat> I was uh, seeing a picture of a hand that was just engulfed in light and blood was coming out of it. You know, and so you know, I made the natural connection there, or the you know, well, that's obviously Jesus' blood. Um, but what I what I heard was First John, and um, if you would turn there, I just want to read it real quick. I think there's there's something going on in our worship that uh, I think is calling us to deeper levels of purity and holiness. And, and I'm thankful for that. In First John chapter one, this is the message, this is a verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. I'm challenged. I'm challenged with that word holiness and with that word purity. I think of uh, the songs that we sing. You know, holiness. It's it's what I long for. <laughs> it's what I need. It's what He wants from me, right? We sing these things, and we see we sing songs like "Show Me Your Face, Lord." Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And isn't that what we're longing for? We want to have deeper encounter with Him. And I believe that. It's his, his desire, too. He wants a deeper encounter with us, and he says, there's one way. How can a young man keep his way pure? Well, by guarding it according to your word. And so he's calling us into deeper fellowship, deeper obedience, not out of duty, but out of, man, I want to be with you. We have fellowship with one another. What John's talking about is we... Have fellowship with one another, with him. Oh, that's his desire. That's really his longing is a bride that is purifying herself, being washed, letting him wash us with his word, the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all unrighteousness. But we're not walking in untruth. We're not saying, oh, I got it. I'm good. I'm good, Lord. But we're coming to him and saying, take this too. Have it all. You can have it all, every part of my world. You can have everything that I thought I had claim to. No longer. I give it up to you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to see Him, but I can't stand in His presence in my sin. I can when I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I can when I confess my sins. I can when I turn from it and I say no more. I don't want to smell like another lover. I, wanna, I just want Him. I want His. We are the aroma of Christ. And I believe there's there's something shifting, and His desires for His bride, all of His bride, all of us to collectively be purifying ourselves. And part of what we're doing as we worship, part of what we're doing as we're praying is we're, we're giving it up. We're saying, take this too, burn this off, remove this, prune this. It's gonna take a, a people that aren't satisfied with lesser things. That's really, for me, there's another passage that uh, one, of my, one of my sons uh, brought up yesterday in our, in our family time on Sabbath that I think is so fitting here. It's in Psalm 106. And I should have had it marked. Starting in verse 34 of Psalm 106, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. And (laughs) that's a really yuck passage. I mean... It's not very comforting to read that, but that's that's what we're doing. If we're we're tolerating impurity in our lives, mixture in our lives, and uh, and is, this isn't like a like I read that stuff, and I, I used to get like really condemned by it, but that's not of God. God is saying, "Oh, my desire is for you to be pure. Oh, don't don't have mixture. Don't have mixture." If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Be violent against impurity in our lives. That's his desire.
3: So I want to encourage you guys with a little bit of uh, history in the Old Testament. Um, Amos, minor prophet, starts out the book of Amos by he is basically preaching in the street. He's from Judah. He's preaching in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem, or he's preaching in Israel. And he starts by with all of these woe-to-you statements um, against the enemies of Israel. And it's very poetic. There's a lot of rhythm. And he's calling out all the sins of the enemies on Israel and why God is going to judge them. And by, I think, the second chapter, there's a large crowd chanting this poem-type thing with him. And in the last, woe is to Israel. And he says, woe to you, Israel, for three times and for four, uh, the Lord will punish you. And then he goes on in the rest of the book to talk about the sins of Israel and what the centerpiece of the book of Amos really is, is is something called uh, sacrificial um, security. And what the Jewish people had done with the temple is they established the temple according to Solomon and over the generations started introducing false gods and idols into the temple of Yahweh. And they felt like, and this was what Amos was calling out, you, because you're still making sacrifices to God, you feel secure that he won't judge you for your sin like he's judged all your enemies. Um, but that day is coming. And actually then, you know, 150 years or so later, at the time of King Josiah, He goes into detail about the things that were in the temple, and if you want to read that, um, it's pretty eye-opening. I mean, they had established apartments in the temple uh, just for sin and for sensual sin to be taking place in the temple of Yahweh. They found, uh, in archaeological digs, they found Baal idols, and they found idols of gods that they've not seen in any other place except in the temple. Um, and so Josiah was clean, cleansing the temple and we get a list of, of how they became distorted and most of it was with Canaanite other Canaanite gods. And what ends up happening is Israel refuses to repent for serving multiple gods and the Lord hands them over to Babylon and they go into Babylonian captivity. And while they're in Babylon, while they're still allowed to worship Yahweh, they have to start using the language and the scripts of the Babylonians. And so when they go back to rebuild, they actually can't recognize the reading or the writing in the, in the temple. Um, and they have to relearn their own language. It was unrecognizable to, to them. So how does that apply to what I, we're talking about today today? Um, if you spend any time reading the Old Testament or reading about the Old Testament, almost all of it is a type and a shadow, stuff that really happened, but is also portraying something that is, is going to happen. And in 1 John, I mean, you can pretty much read the whole book of 1 John, and it, this is what it's about, is not being friends with the world and being consecrated only to God. And we're in a new covenant now, so we're not going to be shipped off to Babylon. But the warning and the concern is that as we are now the temple of God, are we allowing false things to take up residence in the temple? You cannot be, as James 4 and 1 John, you can't be friends with the world and know the Father. You can't. It's impossible to be. You either are friends with the world or you know the Father. It, you can't have both things. And so I was praying about this this week and kind of really asking the Lord, like, what, what is it that you want me to say to your bride? What is it that you want to convey? And it's this simple thing of looking different than the world, not out of obligation, not because of like what the Israelites were doing and saying, well, I'm, this is what we're supposed to do, but we're still let a little bit filter in. It's out of relationship and out of heart, your heart for the Father. David mm-hmm. said, if you wanted or if sacrifices pleased you, I would, I would give you that. But you want my heart. You want a humble heart. And I want to challenge us. What are we letting in to our temple? And sometimes it's really blatant and flagrant sin. And sometimes it's little things that dull the voice of the Spirit in our lives. Because the only way to walk with the Father is through the Spirit. So when I was thinking about this, I was doing this for myself and just like, is there, are there times, and yes, when I struggle to control my tongue um, or I struggle to control my thoughts or to exercise self-control I can look back and see that there's an influence in my life almost always of the world that I've let something and maybe it's a TV show or movies or music or the people I'm around. I'm allowing myself to look like the world and to partake of the world and what happens is I start to become the world. And then when Christ comes back, his temple isn't recognizable to him. I wanna be unrecognizable to the world but recognizable to Christ. And so the message isn't condemnation, it's warning and out of love, look inward and ask the Lord, what am I letting in me in your temple that distracts my heart from worshiping you? First John ends with little children, guard yourself from idols, period. period. That's the end of the book, guard yourself from idols, Church, guard yourself from idols. Consecrate your heart to worship only the Father.
4: Man, such good wisdom. Thank you, guys. Um, when I was in high school, I want to give what I feel like is a practical tip to purity, not just like, hey, be convicted but also just something that I feel like is a biblical thing that reigns throughout the the word, which is I feel like some people will see unrelated, but I feel like it's tightly related in the word. And um, when I was 18 in college, I was a freshman, my dorm was full of really pretty good guys. And occasionally, and I was a believer at the time, occasionally one of the older guys would Get a few beers. We'd sit in our dorm room, just low key, have a beer, hang out, talk, laugh, um, and maybe one of those guys was a believer,s but the rest weren't. But I thought, eh, we're not really doing anything too terribly wrong. Oh, it's good guys, and blah blah blah. But I had a prophet who called me out, and uh, I was at church, and he goes, "Hey, I see you. You're like a. You're supposed to be like a powerful horse that's evangelizing." But you're stuck in the mud and he goes i don't know what it is but i just keep thinking fellowship with unbelievers (laughs) it's like wow i feel so convicted and thank you for the prophetic and um i knew at that point the lord's like what are you doing why you why is your life why have you separated yourself from believers in a tight relationship and um if you go on to First John one seven, what you're talking about it says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's something about that; those two things are tied together. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God; that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. And I think about the root of bitterness which I feel like the Lord's constantly kind of always working on me. He's like, "Do not let bitterness grow. Don't let any little root, any little root of offense towards a brother cause you to be separated, cause there to be this this chasm between you and the believers." The Lord is really highly encouraging all throughout the word of a cockroach just walked out there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so any root of bitterness is demonic. Any little thing that causes us to be separated is demonic. And I really believe we have to pursue peace with our brothers. If we have an issue, I need to pursue peace with my brother and I need to I need to always remember what what's biblical. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. Honor one another as higher show more honor. We should do that for each other, to each other. That should just be a part of our nature. Drew's more important than I am. Thank you, Drew. That's how we need to treat each other. And there's something that happens where it brings the light into our lives. And we can encourage each other. We can exhort each other. It's such an important thing throughout throughout the word encouragement. Encourage, exhort, encourage, exhort. What does exhort mean? Exhort me means strongly encourage, strongly communicate, emphatically communicate. Brother, let's not have you walk in that sin. Let me encourage you to be pure in this way. And please do the same same thing to me. We should be iron sharpening iron. If I'm not around any iron, I can't get sharp. I stay dull. When I'm around my brothers, I learn something from my brothers. And hopefully they learn something from me. Hopefully there's an effect that they have on my life and I have an effect on their life as we're sharpening each other. I want to learn from my fellow brothers that I do life with. I want it to be a thing where I go, I've, I, hopefully I've encouraged him. Hopefully he's encouraged me. And sometimes when iron is clanging against iron, it can be a little bit painful at, a t- at times. It can be corrective. But the Lord is in that too. The Lord doesn't want us just to be all, able to only ha- handle encouragement. He wants us to be able to handle The exhortation that comes from saying, Let's live a godly life. Let's not have blind spots in our life. Let's walk in a way that's pure. Let's continue to seek each other out and not let the daily things of life pull us away. Let's not let the things, the root of bitterness, have any tiny little thing. Pull that up as soon as you see it coming out in your heart. And it will come out because we're humans. We get mad at each other because we don't like something else that somebody did, and God causes us to think a little bit differently. And so. There's this blessing, it's a commanded blessing, when we listen to him, when we follow him, and when we strive to have fellowship, it actually multiplies the effort. Faster alone, further together. Sometimes you can get somewhere in your life by going along, but you can get much further when you do it as a team, because you can share the duties, you can share each other's lives. I can pray for my brother. I can be down and he can be up. He can pray for me. That's such an important thing. We can be. It's a high call to be our brother's keeper. We actually are called to be our brother's keeper. If you're out of fellowship, if you're out of fellowship, I can say, please get back into fellowship. Find someone who you can love, who you can share with your deepest secrets. Don't let the busyness of life pull you apart.
0: Amen. Preached here for two years in June. We've been me out here two years in June. I've never seen cockroaches come out from from t- towards the stage for here, uh, towards towards the pews. Cricket spiders. They look like cockroaches. They're demonic. So, I, uh, you know, sin uh, dwells in the light. It festers in the light. grows It grows in the darkness. Sorry, it, it's exposed by the light. Sin is is. Um, is where the enemy wants to keep us is in the darkness so that sin can continue to to grow there. The light exposes that and removes that. Um, I wonder if you could, we've mentioned James chapter four a couple of times. This passage is just so good. Can we finish here and, and just look look at this, what the word says about that? I wonder, uh, wives, if you could think with me for a moment uh, about your uh, husbands <clears throat> or maybe about your future husbands if you have not been married yet. Uh, I wonder how much um, romantic relationship with another woman you would be okay with, with your husband. Just a little bit. Is that okay? And husbands, I just wonder if, uh, if your wife goes to the YMCA, um, how much texting back and forth could she do with like the big strong guy that makes you feel kind of insecure you know, you just uh Mr. Amazing. Just a little texting would maybe be okay, or it'd have to be a lot of texting. And uh if you're normal, uh you you're not good with anything. It's zero tolerance. Um, and that's a good healthy thing. And we're and we're evil compared to the Lord. And the Lord says, If you feel this strongly about your spouse, just imagine how I feel about my, my church. And so when we have uh, sometimes dreams, as we've mentioned before, about infidelity and things like that with our spouse, we can feel that so deeply in our heart, and it's an, it's an invitation into the Lord's heart. And so James chapter 4 says it this way in verse 4, you adulterous people, you adulterers, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs to possess the human spirit that he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives more grace, and that's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but he shows favor to the humble. And then he gets real practical here with us. Submit yourselves then, because of what I just said, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What does that look like? Come near to God and he will come near to you. Holiness at high levels. What does that look like? Well, wash your hands, you sinners. It has to do with your deeds. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Externally, your deeds, your actions. Internally. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Wail. Change your laughter to mourning, and change your joy in the world to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Paul says, I have been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me, you think about a man on a tree, naked, bloody, beaten, no reputation, feces below the cross because of just the the filth of the moment, horrible to look at, no rights, that is not something you want to identify with naturally. You're you're like, not for me. That's him. I don't want to identify with that. And that's how the world should look to us. I don't want any part of that. And vice versa, that is how we are called to look to the world. Being relevant is nowhere in your Bible or mine. 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, The church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. So what that means is when the world starts to shift, when the church starts to shift to become like the world and follow after the course of the world in this age, then the pillar starts to shake and the foundation of truth starts to shake. And so we're called to be resolute and steadfast. Now, we're not called to be Amish because I don't have anywhere in my Bible that says I can't use electricity or drive a a combustion engine vehicle, right? But... We are called to be peculiar. We're called to be different. We're called to be crucified. And what that literally means is that we must be prepared to go outside of the camp like Jesus did and be separate and to be ridiculed for not speaking the same way, not acting the same way, not dressing the same way, not living the same way, not making the same decisions that the world makes. We must be okay with that. If we're not okay with that, what that means for me and you is that we desire friendship with the world. What does it mean to be a friend? Spend time with, identify with, hobbies, interests. And so our desire to be a friend of the world chokes out our desire to be a friend of the bridegroom. And in this age... It is a strong desire, but I tell you, there's a way out. There is a way for us, and and he, he paints this startling picture of adultery, so that we get sobered up. It's like a drink of, it's like an espresso right here. Just oh, I wake up. Friendship with the world is adultery with the Lord, and so he says, this is what let's do. If you are if you are hiding friendship with the world, if you've got a secret sin, a a guilty pleasure that the world offers you that you love, then he, he gives us some direction here. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil and say, I don't need that. I don't want that. That's not for me. And then he goes right through. When you submit yourself to God and his power, he gives you power to wash your hands. He gives you power and he comes in and he actually purifies your heart and then he calls you to a season of repentance. And he talks about grieving, mourning, and wailing and changing joy to gloom and laughter to mourning and ultimately humbling that he might lift us up in due time. This is not popular, yeah? Nothing about this sounds fun or popular, but I tell you, if you're in Nazi Germany when they are talking about the, the animal-like nature of the Jews and, and the desire to purify the race by killing them off, you would be not popular by standing up and saying, history will not treat you all well. That's not true. We cannot call good evil and evil good. Because very soon it's going to be seen what it is very soon Hitler will be brought down very very soon and for all of the ages to the ages people will see those who stood for the truth were the real heroes we do not call good evil and evil good we stand for the truth no matter what it costs us yeah business reputation finance friendships relationships whatever it is we say I submit myself to you God you I'm on the right side if I'm on your side and that's what we want so, we, yeah, we want to invite you and, and all of us together into a season, into, into really just a, a moment to, to let the Lord expose and reveal and then remove, just lay down anything that he's got his finger on in our hearts. Yes. Really quick, so you just said it's not a popular message. In the second you said that, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind, wide is the road that leads to death, but right. narrow is the road right. that leads to life. We need to know that what you're saying is the way to life. It's a narrow road. Amen. That's right. So true. Let's let's stand if you would, guys. It is an easy, wide road to be like the world. So we just want to take a moment here. Holy Spirit. Just minister to our hearts here now. I'm asking now that you would make it clear in each heart here what friendship with the world might be looking like. So I just want to invite you to just before the Lord, just to be silent before him and to humble yourself and repent in whatever he's bringing to mind right now. Holy Spirit, just move through your temple, your people, God. Remove idolatry from our hearts, God. Our love is weak. Our self-discipline is weak, but we say, we love you, Jesus. We believe in you, Jesus. Help us in our unbelief, even right now. Just lift your heart to the Lord now. Just tell him the truth. He already knows. You know, washing of your hands is the first step. Purifying of your hearts is the second step. And it just, It's an interesting journey. The sin that we do with our hands starts in our heart, flows in and then out. And so the cleansing work takes the exact path back. It goes from out back to in. What is he telling you to wash your hands of? To flush down the toilet, to, to turn off, to walk away from? And watch what happens to your heart.
2: hmm yeah don't wait we've been too slow to deal with these things if the Lord's speaking to your heart let him deal with it now my my daughter Addie I just feel like it's a picture her she's in the NICU you know and Her bowels have been moving way too slow. They've been slow. Been slow to get rid of the waste. Barely moving, sometimes only if they're provoked. I just feel like it's a picture. The church, we've been too slow. We've been kind of hanging on to the waste. We've been hanging on to the impurities. It's time to get things moving. That the operation of the body would be so fluid and wonderful amongst one another and the fellowship we have. And I just feel like it's time to get things moving. Let the Lord deal with us today.
0: So if you are sensing, if there is a response that the Holy Spirit is calling you to, to lay it down, whatever it is, to to get it out, to lay it down, and to humble yourself before the Lord, then I want to invite you to come up to the front here, to the altar that we have. I want to invite you to come up now and to humble yourself before the Lord and to respond in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in this room. It could be small. It could be big. It doesn't matter how much texting the wife or the husband is doing with the other lover. It it really doesn't matter. It is adultery, friendship with the world. And whatever he's got his finger on, I want to encourage you, seek the Lord, as we said earlier, while he may be found. Guys, Breakthrough, answer to prayer is coming on the backside of this confession for many of you. Listen to me. Listen, this is a moment for you. This is a moment of decision here. Bitterness, unforgiveness, worldly pleasures in the darkness. This is a moment we're inviting you to. Please do not waste it. So again, I wanna make a call here. If the Lord is doing a work in your heart, Come to the altar even this morning. Just lay it down this morning. Holy Spirit, I wanna pray that you would draw hearts even right now into a moment of consecration, into a moment of obedience. We're not looking for any emotional stirring up of anything. We just ask for simple obedience. The pure in heart will see God. So I pray that you would bring the hatchet down, Lord, this morning on sins that have traveled behind us. They trail us. They follow us. I'm asking for a hatchet to come down this morning and a severing of those things in the name of Jesus just to lay it down.